When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, to be fair, we both did say that it was going to be a famous England win at Headingley. And we were, we were proved right, but it was never really in doubt. I don't think that we deserve a pat on the back for that by any stretch of the imagination because it was always going to happen. The Ashes is well and truly alive. Chris, you said exactly those words after Lords. How good was that? Headingley delivers once again in Test Match Cricket. It is just special, isn't it? It just—it's got something. There must be something in the water, something in the Yorkshire water, that gives Headingley that little ashes buzz and boost. I think the the crowd obviously helps a lot, and you've got the um, the moments that have gone before with Botham and Stokesy, and now Wokesy. So um, what a yeah, what a test! How enjoyable was that? Like seeing England win and win it as they did was just fantastic. Awesome. And Harry Brook as well on his home ground played that Ben Stokes role. I thought he was going to be there at the end. But hey, who cares? We've got the business done. I thought that Mark Wood was absolutely fantastic, both with bat and ball as well. And really important. What did he, what did he smash? Like 28 off eight balls or something at the end of that first innings? How important were those runs? And then obviously there at the end as well. It's just so many different talking points. I thought that Alex Carey's um, reception from the Western Terrace was uh, was was rather nice and I also thought that David Warner getting booed all the way out to the middle and then walking all the way back four balls later after being dismissed <laughs> once again from Stuart Broad was quite ridiculous um Headingley's just I mean we talked about it last time obviously we're slightly biased but I think that even you take the bias out we would actually still be saying that it is perhaps the greatest of the test match grounds in terms of delivering on-field drama we all know that Ed Baston has the atmosphere always because of the Holly stand um, the Oval's always cracking, usually because it's trying to provide some kind of a crescendo. We've seen some brilliant farewell moments down the years, but Headingley, mate. Oh, wow. I just, just... <laughs> special, special place. But it, we've, we've got, yeah, we, we always have a great time there from a Barmy Army standpoint. And this test was no different to that. One thing that really did make me chuckle, though, was seeing that the Chris Broad has been sanctioned by the ICC for sharing, retweeting one of our posts. And it was the one of the... Um, the uh, Warner post of uh, oh, right, Bart Simpson. On the chalkboard. <laughs> yeah, the chalkboard. Chris Broad's been sanctioned by the ICC for, I think he liked or reposted it or something. But um, I just thought <laughs> that was fantastic. That's brilliant. I didn't know that. That is so good. He was sat in the crowd looking cool as he usually does. Chris Broad. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. We've actually got those. That exact graphic is now on a T-shirt on our website. So you can buy... And where a picture just to remind David Warner 
how many times? 17, I think it is. Yeah. Stuart Broad has got him out. Uh, when you talk about, like, you've got your absolute bunny for Brody, I think it must be. Like, David Warner, what a cricketer. Like, no matter yeah. what everyone thinks of him as a bloke or what anyone thinks of what he's done in the past, what a cricketer. And for Brody to just be all over him. Like, you must have nightmares about him. Oh, 100%. 100%. And he will feel like he's going to get out every single time, anytime he faces Stuart Broad now. Because I saw something really good with Glenn McGrath, actually, on the BBC Highlights show um, today at the test, where he was talking about it. And I think he got Atherton out something like 16 or 17 times. And not only Atherton as his bunny, as I think he's quite well known and documented, but also Brian Lara. He got him out something like 15 times. And wow. Glenn, Glenn McGraw actually kind of took his, you know, the, the, the arrogance out of it and said, you know what? He says, like, in, in a way, he was like, I, I f- felt like they thought when I was sort of eyeing them up at the top of my mark, I was thinking, I think that they think they're going to get out every single ball that they face. And that is exactly what David Warner will feel like, isn't it? Despite mm. being a brilliant cricketer. I mean, I don't think we're going to see him at Old Trafford, to be honest, to think that perhaps that big Sydney farewell that was planned for this winter for him isn't going to happen. I think it's going to be a, a, sad, a sad dismissal at Headingley. Really? You think so? He'll play. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Well, I think so. I think we're so. Gonna, we're going to see Jimmy Anderson for England, aren't we? Bowling from his own end. Or actually, he doesn't really like his own end. He likes the other, the other end, doesn't he, Old Trafford? <laughs> so, um, I think we're going to see Jimmy back, aren't we, um, as well. And um, it's a difficult one for Stokesy and Baz McCullum to work out who to pick next because... Actually, you know, the, those players that they brought in for this test match took the head above the parapet massively. So uh, there we go. We'll leave that to all the cricketing experts, of course. Um, Chris, we have Ollie Pope coming on the podcast in just a few moments because sadly he's he's out the rest of the series. He's got to have a bit of uh, surgery on that shoulder. It's the other one, by the way. I, I didn't know this until we... Um, we, we were just chatting a few minutes before we came on air, actually, Chris. Did we? But he's, he's, he's done his left shoulder in and then this time it's his right shoulder um and he's got to have surgery on that i mean bless him anyway we'll see how he is uh, very shortly on the podcast and get his thoughts on what it must be like watching because that's bizarre the guy's been in the team constantly for the last 18 months and then now he's got to watch it on tv vice captain massive Mm. part of the dressing room yeah crazy really crazy for him to have that i guess he was in well i think um we've obviously spoke to him but he was in such good form like it must be just unbelievably frustrating but you know what what a bloke like so positive and such an onside guy like yeah legend yeah no no properly yeah he's um sort of guy that you that you'd want I, th- I don't think a lot of people really feel like they know ollie pope that well but um i think the ones who probably listened to the previous podcast that we've done with him there's there's plenty of him he's a really good lad and he? he comes on all the time um and also just kind of know him from you know having surrey connections or whatever they'll just know what a, what a standout lad he is and that's why he's the vice captain under <laughs> brendan mccullum and ben stokes you know, so uh, there we have it. Uh, Chris, any other business? I mean, the atmosphere, by the way, was fantastic. Barmy Army did a ridiculous job of getting that crowd up on the Western Terrace. And it was um, it was testament, you know, the fact that it's mentioned all the way through all four days of coverage, commentary, radio, TV, constantly referencing the crowd. No bad blood, no bad behaviour, everything in really good taste and good spirit. Everybody said that, even the Australian pundits as well, that were talking about the Western Terrace and the Barmy Army uh, standpoint. Bit of praise, by the way, for whoever's idea that was to get Finchie on the on the field playing the trumpet before the 
the final session, G in the crowd up. Was that the ECB? It was, yeah. We've we've formed a, a, a good relationship with the ECB in the last um, six to 12 months, and it's really great to see, and it just shows what can be done in the future. I think that the ECB are, are sick of how much the Aussies um, – drum up support for their team when we go over there and thought, right, we'll have a, we'll have a go ourselves. So um, yeah, big shout out to Phil Williams at ECB for making this happen, but he, he got Finchie on, um, on the pitch during day, th- day two and day four tea break, sorry, lunch break, day four and tea break day two and just started, started the songs really. I think on day four, as Stokesy was coming out to bat, the words to Jerusalem were on screen and Finchie was still on the pitch as Stokes, he was basically in the middle. I mean, if you want a whole ground to sing with you as you're coming out for one of the biggest days of Ashes Test cricket ever, that that must give you the buzz. What a moment. So, so cool. Love that. And Finchie does an amazing job, as we know. Also, Finchie was quite busy, busy week. Barmy, bingo, and another roaring success. Addition to this time, I wasn't there this time. It was Sam Ellard from TalkSport, who's a great lad, did an amazing job, apparently, and that... Again, I've seen a lot of footage from that night. It looked into the cracking evening. <laughs> so we're doing that again in Manchester. It'll be Sam on the mic again, uh, Chris Page uh, DJing brilliantly, and then Finchie wielding the trumpet all night. I mean, poor bloke, poor bloke, by the way. His I'll tell woman. you what, he, he did the women's T20 before the test match as well. Then drove up that night and, and was there for the first Jerusalem ball one. He's, he's definitely, um, we're definitely working his horn this summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the women's ashes was uh, was an exciting one because that's still alive as we record this as well. The ODI Absolutely. start on Wednesday. We're, we're sticking this out hopefully on Tuesday afternoon. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's something else as well. So it's just, the, the whole ashes fever is is just it's right. sweeping the nation. I, I had somebody the other day saying, "Oh, you know, my son's eleven years old, and he, you know, I want to get him into a bit of golf and a bit of tennis and try and keep his." you know, horizons broadened, but I can't because all he wants to do is sit and watch the test match and then talk about cricket and then take me, take him to the cricket nets for it. And I said, yeah, I said, I was 11 in 2005 and I was exactly the same, you know, good luck, good luck prizing him away from the TV. Um, or indeed the radio saying that, you know, the sit, going to the supermarket and, was, you know, everybody's, you know, I'm going to stay in the car and I want the TMS leaving on. And that is like, you know, for, that is what it's about, isn't it? That's exactly what Test Cricket is is all about. Um, and there's so many different elements. I mean, me and you absolutely love it, don't we? It's just so good, mate. It's, it's so, just so it's the just the best format of the sport. It's the best format of any sport in the world, in my opinion. But it is just so exciting. It can go to the final day, the final ball, the final day. I mean, look, five days slogging it out for that. And you've got... These these guys on both teams are X Factor, aren't they? You've got yeah, X Factor players, whether it is the Aussies with Warner, Smith, Labashane, Cummins. But then you look at our team, you've got Stokesy, Brookie, Rooty, Popey, Bowling Unit, Woody, Brody, Jimmy. Like oh. they're, they're X Factor. There's there's not a one single boring cricketer in the whole setup. So um can't wait. If if and when England win at Old Trafford, I'm really, really positive and really confident they will win at Old Trafford. If if it goes to all to the Oval Test match, wow, the nation is going to be gripped. Yeah, I completely agree. There's going to be lots of discussions about sticking it on free to air and letting everybody have a slice of it and all that kind of stuff. I think in there, and we'll wait until we get to that part. Me and, <laughs> me and you are very confident it's going to be to all, and then 
you know, we know what I, <laughs> we I, all know. I how completely it agree. I just um, completely divert from Barmy Bingo. Then I've just realised like, <laughs> I got so into the Grip Nation stuff. But Barmy Bingo, Manchester, as Greggy said, it's on sale now. Tickets are selling fast. We've only got thirty percent of the tickets left in total for that one. It's going to be a great night. We've we've got so much positive feedback from what we're trying to do and. And you'll even hear a certain Mr. Ollie Pope mention it without us even prompting him to mention it, telling us what a good night his parents had last time and they were there. And then once we have won at Old Trafford, Barney Bingo's gone gone off. We're at the Oval. It's the Friday at the Oval. We're about to dominate the Aussies. And James Gregg's back on the mic. <laughs> Barney Bingo. London. That's not a reason to come, by the way. That's just, you know, a side note. <laughs> But it's going to be a it's going to be a cracking uh, cracking couple of next editions of Barmy Bingo and a cracking couple of test matches, obviously as well. It's a very small part of it's a very small part of the week, but still, it's great if you if you are in the area, even if you don't have tickets to the test match, it's a nice way to try and you know feel the atmosphere that the Barmy Army brings. I definitely say that, and I'm I'm saying that genuinely as well. I think I've waxed lyrical enough on the podcast for people to know that I'm absolutely serious. Um, okay. The Fans World Cup, Chris, is something that me and you played in a couple of years ago. I had a great day out. In fact, I had a great day until you dropped me for the semi-finals, where actually <laughs> then the England Barmy Army team lost. You know, just saying, just saying, just just saying. And I was the highest wicket taker up to that point. Hey, not that I'm bitter about it, and still thinking about it two years on. That was down in Oxfordshire. We had a great day out. Um, all the different teams, all the different fan groups were over. We had Joel Garner as well, West Indian legend. We did a uh, like a live chat with him afterwards, didn't we? In front of all the all the crowds that gathered, and there was uh, yeah, it was it was a cracking day. Tell us about the Fans World Cup this year because I, I'm I'm a little bit gutted that I've not got the invite this time around. <laughs> so because oh, it's uh, it's slightly different to Oxfordshire. Everyone's invited to this one. It is a little bit different to Oxfordshire. It's this one is going to be in Gaul in Sri Lanka. And this, when we talk about the Barmy Army creating money can't buy experiences, this is just another instalment of exactly that. I mean, me and you have been very lucky to have some amazing money can't buy experiences through the Barmy Army, whether that's on tour in Sri Lanka, on tour in South Africa. I mean, we've played at Newlands on day six of the test match, the day after the test finish. We, we played the game of cricket at Newlands, like bonkers. But the Barmy Army is all about that. Money can't buy experiences. We are offering players of either an England representative team, an Australia representative team, an India team, South Africa team, or a Sri Lankan team, the opportunity to take part in the Fans World Cup, which has included in it return flights to and from Sri Lanka. Half board and a five-star hotel. Five-star hotels in Sri Lanka are unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Accommodation, transfers, two days of cricket at Gold Fort, and events and plus many more fun money can't buy unique experience all of that for four nights 30th of september till the 4th of october for a thousand quid all in that is ridiculous that that is obscene obscene and we have we have a package that can be seven nights if you want to extend it into a holiday we have player and support packages available as well it will be online very very soon that is all thanks to Sri Lanka Airlines. They've been a, a huge partner of ours for the last 10 years since I was working at the Barmy Army. Sri Lanka Airlines have, have been great advocates of ours. And once again, they've showed their support and, and put on this tournament for us. And it's just going to be great to get 
60, 70 people out to Sri Lanka just before the official World Cup in India to fight it out for the Fans World Cup at Goal 4. And I'm, I, for one, cannot wait. Yeah, that is, I, honestly, honestly, I don't get paid any extra. In fact, I don't get paid anything to say <laughs> any of this stuff. But genuinely, that is that is ridiculously good value. I think Gaul, I mean, we said this a million times on the podcast, so listeners are probably sick of this, but Gaul is my, one of my favourite places on the planet. It is certainly in the top three. I think it's a, an amazing place to go. And if you if you get the chance to play on that cricket ground and in a relatively competitive, I mean, it's, look, it's fairly relaxed, but a relatively competitive environment, um, professional environment is what I'd say, and then stay and the flight. I mean, that is stonking value. So great, yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll yeah. be online within the next let, let's say week, just to be sure. But we're hoping to get online very soon. So and if, if you want more information, feel free to contact us. Um, social media, ring us, email me, Chris at barmyarmy.com. Feel free to reach out. Love to help. Awesome. Um, have we got any um the business of we've got not, not got anything to moan about, have we? Nothing to moan about. That's quite rare. That's good to see what an England win does. Like you know, all the all the annoying things that I probably saw over the first three days of cricket, completely forgotten about because day four, England win. So there we go. We can moan about the nine day break, but I know it's a bit, it's a bit of a <laughs> yeah. uh, counterbalance between the players being able to. Those walk players and run. need a rest, though, mate. Look at Stokes. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, he's one of the hardest cricketers in the world, isn't he? In terms of just well, as a cricket fan, though, you want the next test to start the day after, don't you? Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Ready? Let's go. You do, but they'd all be like trudging about, leaving balls <laughs> running to the boundary. Yeah, the sound. Yeah, they'd be knackered, wouldn't they? To be fair, bless them. So yeah, the nine day break. I know it's frustrating for us as fans, but they definitely do need it. I mean, they need three more. Um, there we go. Right. Um, no other matters of uh, or points of order. No, to go through. That's good. Okay. Right. We're going to get into Ollie Pope. We have had a really nice chat with him. Obviously, he's gutted. He's injured his shoulder. Dislocation. Needs a bit of surgery. But he's chatting about watching it from the sidelines and everything else. And I hope that you enjoy this. And we're going to be back for Old Trafford. We will speak to you next time here on the Shackles Are Off podcast. Enjoy Ollie Pope. Ollie Pope, uh, first of all, before we get into that amazing victory on Sunday, how are you? How's the shoulder? And uh, are you bored yet? Uh, I'm fine. The shoulder's not fine. And am I bored yet? Yes. Uh, that's <laughs> no. a bit of an annoying one with the shoulder, but that's that's sport, I guess. And I kind of know what, what needs to be done to it. Obviously, I've had two surgeries on my left side. So I um, thought I'd try and balance it out a little bit and do my right now. Yeah. So the same too. Sorry, Greggy. I was yeah, just saying to Greggy before you came on, Ollie. You um, you might well be the highest run scorer with a dislocated shoulder. I don't know how to back that up. <laughs> I'd take it. I'd take it. Um, is that that's probably not the not the record I wanted, but uh, well, record's a record, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, you know what? It must be it must be so frustrating. I mean, you you seem in decent spirits to be fair, because I think you're quite pragmatic because you've had something fairly similar before, obviously, like you say, with you with your other side. But it's um, you know, you score that brilliant double century at Lords, and then 
you get into the Ashes series, you're just getting your teeth really properly stuck into it, and then that happens. It's so frustrating. Um, how do you kind of remain pragmatic? Is it the fact that you just get swept up in Ashes fever like the rest of us? Absolutely. I genuinely reckon I watched every ball pretty much, obviously, other than having to take my dog out. I pretty much watched every single ball of that test, and I was so glued to it. Um, I think it's, uh, obviously, like you said, I've done it to my left side so I kind of know what it's about and I kind of know what I should do to stay in good spirits and it is quite hard because you I want to you sort of feel good from exercise when doing things and then everything just seems like a big old effort at the minute to be honest um so it is tough but at the same time like gutted to gutted to be out of the series and I actually felt felt in a really good place with the bat as well and loving obviously we lost the games but two crackers and sort of felt like I was pretty close to to a big one in terms of the way I was playing and that's that's how you get in good form is you just play 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 and then you kind of learn what works for you so that's the frustrating thing about injuries I find but no, I'm still well. I've still got the ashes fever 100. <laughs> percent I don't. I tell you what, I was a lot more nervous watching at home uh, this week uh, the Headingley test than even being at deep point when uh, <laughs> in, in that Edgebaston one or in the changing room when Stokes is going mad at Lords. So it is. Uh, it's a different place that I'm watching from, but the nerves were through the roof. Talk, talk us through your your feelings when we needed. Was it 75, 80 to win and Wokey's in the middle with, with Ben? Were you confident? I was confident that I, th- I just, I think when we've lost two tight games, I think that was probably the, the nervous part. Like, Come on, we can't, can't lose another tight one. Um, but I, that was probably the only time where I was slightly worried just because obviously when you've only got a few wickets left. Uh, but I had full faith. I know the, the character that Brookie and Wokesy are, um, I knew that they're almost the perfect guy. Obviously, we've got Stokes, he's done it a load of times. But <laughs> if not, those, those two are like the perfect guys for that situation. They won't get too wrapped up in it. They know exactly how to stay stay in their own game, stay in the moment. And uh, that's two of their biggest skill sets. So I had full confidence, but I, I was that was probably the most nervous bit. It did seem 70-odd runs seemed a long, long way away at one point. I'll tell you what, Mark Wood as well, like just <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. And he's he's like, again, you know, we know what he's like off the fields and he's an absolute joy, isn't he? Um, but in terms of that situation, he, he's he's got that real kind of grit, gritty mentality, hasn't he, for that? Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, he, he I reckon he would have been the nervous, most nervous bloke there, but <laughs> he uses those nerves in a good way. He, get, he, he gets nervous when he's playing, but he channels those nerves and that actually helps him get the best out of himself, I find. Um, so that's, and that's exactly what you want. He doesn't try and hide the fact he's nervous. He, you can see him pacing around in the changing room and stuff. Um, but no, nah, he, what a game he had. It was so good to, I mean, uh, watching him even on the TV was a joy. And then obviously those, those sixes that he hit were massive for the game as well. He's obviously got his new, I think he's got a new sponsor. Um, so, and he calls it the Blade of Justice. So that's obviously <laughs> going to be staying, staying as number one stick. Well, let's see. What, what, what's he like to face in the net, Solly? I know you've faced, obviously, the Australian boy in Zach, and that's unbelievably good. What's um, Woody like to face in the net? So is he that extra bit quicker? He, he is. Um, but at the same time, I think he knows his body and he knows well enough exactly how quick he should be bowling in the, in the nets. Um, he still bowls quick. I mean, it's still pushing 90. And he's one of the bowlers and he does give you a few bounces in the nets as well. Um, some of them, some of them don't really bowl, and he does. But he, yeah, he's uh, he's he's. I mean, he's just a gun bowler. So I think it's 
in the nets, he holds back a little bit, but I mean, the pace he was bowling in uh, in that first, especially in that first uh, first innings, was just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. That that pitch was such a good pitch for him as well with that pace and carry, and it was just yeah, it was so good to watch. I mean, you've been really integral to the way this, you know, the baseball revolution and the way that you've gone about it. I mean, how much have you enjoyed it? I know it's a really silly question; seems quite obvious. I know what you're going to say, but like the fact that you've been given you know, the vice captaincy and just slotted in and being able to play with complete freedom. And presumably I'm guessing that despite the injury, you'll know that you're straight back as soon as you fit again. Cause we saw that with Johnny, didn't we last, last year, it's almost like, yeah, don't worry. Just get yourself sorted. You're straight back in. And that must really help as well. Knowing that you're going a back into something really exciting and B that you are going straight back in. Yeah, hopefully. Anyway, uh, that'd be that's obviously the aim. It's not really something I've even thought about yet. It's a long way away, and obviously, the the only positive. Obviously, I'm gutted to be missing three games, but fingers crossed, I'm going to be fit for for that India series uh, in sort of January time. Um, so I guess for me, that's the one positive is that hopefully I'm not going to be missing too much Test cricket. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows, and we talk about it a lot. We have so much fun playing as a unit. I think the the brand of cricket that we're playing is obviously fun in itself. And then sort of the way we approach training sessions and and we are around a test match. And it's just really brought the enjoyment back into it. I think rather than sort of trying to feel that pressure too much and sort of living in living in the four walls a bit and Baz and Stokes have done that, done that amazingly well. And obviously to be given that vice captain uh, is a is a big honour for me. And obviously to do it in a team that's been successful and a team that's that's well liked as well, which is is um yeah, it's a, it's a big honour and I've sort of, I've loved every bit of it. And I think, yeah, just, I want to just get this surgery next week out of the way, get on rehab. And that's going to be sort of what's motivating me to to get it as good as I can for for the return. So, um, no, nah, it's just gutted to be missing out. But no, nah, the boys are having so much fun. Were you um, a big cricket watcher? Like, anyway, I know that you're obviously a bit of a bit of a badger. I can tell, actually. He strikes you like a bit of a cricket badger, doesn't he, Ollie Pope? <laughs> I love that. But you, um, I'm just, you know, do you do you watch much anyway on the TV? I suppose it's different when you watch uh, your teammates in England. But do you? Yeah, yeah. Do you? Say I do. Yeah, out? I love watching Test cricket, especially like T20 cricket. I love watching, especially if sort of Surrey are playing, or if I if a few of my mates are in the team, or if England are playing. Um, but I find Test cricket actually. Yeah, and even championship cricket I like even yesterday I just had the Surrey game on pretty much all day just sort of flicking flicking through my phone and watching that Um, so yeah and I think for the next four months it's important because it almost actually gets me a bit more frustrated having to if I am watching it rather I I should probably try and sort of take my mind away by doing something else and getting out of the house because I just get just like can I just play now but obviously I've got a while to go Um, but yeah I do I do watch a lot of cricket and uh and uh, it's a bit annoying that there's a nine is it a nine day gap between this and uh, the, the next <laughs> test match, and I'm just like, oh, what do I do with my time now? Um, but no, I love watching it, especially obviously like when when the boys are playing or when you've got mates playing, or if if there's sort of players that I like watching uh, in international cricket from other countries, and yeah, I definitely try and tune in. What did you make to the um, the atmosphere in the first test? Now we'll, we'll skip past laws because the Barmy Army weren't there. Um, but the first <laughs> test, Edge Baston, first test of the Nashes series at home. What what did you make of it? Uh, honestly, I think it's the best atmosphere. Obviously, that I've ever played in front of. The noise was amazing, um, but it was actually the fact that every 
everyone in the crowd seemed engaged with every single ball on the pitch, especially especially on that day five. But day five was actually probably a little bit quieter at points yeah. just because you could almost feel the tension in the ground. Um, but then whenever we got a wicket, it was like, I compared it to like chatting to the guys, like playing a Premier League match or something. The, the atmosphere is just crazy. And it was, it was such, such a good, such a good ground to play cricket and obviously the, the Hollies goes mental and then obviously the Barmy Army there and it's just oh, it's unbelievable and it's obviously on, on the wrong side of the result um, but that week was so special for, for all of us players. That first four was like, like you just said, like a goal had been scored at a football game. It was like the whole ground on its feet for a four for it, it just like set the tone, didn't it? What was the, what was the atmosphere like when that Crawley crunched that one through cover? Oh man, it was crazy. So I was actually confused. So because obviously batting at three, I actually don't like watching five really when I'm um, waiting to bat. I kind of just go into the back room and at Edgebaston, there's it's actually a great setup at Edgebaston. They've got like you can sort of watch live behind the bowler's arm, and then you can sit in the changing room and they'll have the TV on, so you can watch it there. But that's about second and a half behind, and, and uh, I sort of had a. I was kind of like everyone was. Obviously, the last Ashes didn't start the way we wanted it to start, and mm. that was a crazy atmosphere. And then, so I heard the boys roaring, and it was like, that, that can't be a wicket. Like, surely not. And that, the Aussies can't be that loud. Um, so then I, I would just pop my head around, seeing what the roaring was, and the boys were just giving it this one. And, <laughs> oh, it, was, it was so good. And it just, like, like we said, take the result out of it, just set the tone for the Ashes. And I think the, the way that Zach went out there, and just crunched it through the covers, and the the noise that came from our change room was crazy. Probably the probably the biggest celebration, probably bigger than when they won the other day. To be honest, it was, <laughs> it was a cool thing to cool thing to witness and kind of witness and be a bit confused about. Chris tells me that your um, dad and mum are quite big Barmy Army uh, goers, and they're looking to try and I don't know, maybe not root his mum and dad off the perch as being. <laughs> the best probably uh team parents is that is have you got any knowledge of this ollie yeah kind of so because they obviously parents they often get hospitality uh obviously because from from the players tickets um and whenever i see a picture they're never in the hospitality they, they're either going <laughs> over and singing jerusalem with the barley army or they're just taking so if mum mum took her sister the other week and then she she uh, and they just go and stand in the bar in the army and take it in. And mum does this thing where she, especially uh, edge fasting, because obviously the amount of fancy dress, and she just goes around and and takes pictures of all her favourite fancy dresses. Goes ah, she doesn't say who who she is or that she's my mum. She just goes ah, can I take a picture of all you? So her yeah. her camera is just a montage of all everyone in, dressed as different different things in the ground. And she just ah, she loves it. And then I think all the the families they go to, I think they went to. The, Barmy Army Bingo or something. They did there, indeed. And, and thing with the, and they love it and it's it's nice for them because they used to get so nervous watching me play, especially for England. And I think now they seem they seem in a place where it's like right, we get to go hang out with the Anderson's parents, Root's parents, uh, yeah. Stokesy's Stokesy's mum, and all these, and they get on so well as a group. And it's and now they just have the best time. And obviously in the hospitality, but then half the time in the in the Hollies as well. Yeah, out of all the groups at the bingo, the players' good. family did have the biggest group. So that just a testament to how much it everyone gets on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. they're on this big table just in front of where the DJ was and stuff. Harry Brooks' grandma as well, giving it the big Yeah, uh, uh, I can imagine. I can imagine, <laughs> yeah. They were, uh, my parents, I saw them actually the day I met them. They were actually quite broken after that night. 
<laughs> well, that's awesome. It. So good. Can we um can we can we get Ollie Pope down to the Oval, Barmy Bingo? If um oh if, if, if he'd recovered enough, could do. I think so. I got surgery on the day of the next test, first day. So I'm thinking that obviously Oval just down the road. I think. I did spend a bit of time with the lads in the changing room, try to get up top, and then obviously, hopefully, one one day see see the Barmy Army as well. Oh, mate, <laughs> that'd be great. Can't knock the shoulder; that's the only danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just wrap get, you up. Just get a couple of our biggest yeah, yeah, lads exactly. next year, just just looking after yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, mate, so good to talk to you. And um, anytime, you're always welcome. Um, popping over and saying hello or whatever. And um, appreciate it. Yeah, and we've also just found out podcast listeners that Ollie lives literally a stone's throw away from my house. So, uh, yeah, so just we, we should have just linked up and <laughs> together. I just shout shout down the road. Quality, great to talk to you, mate. Ho- hopefully, nice. the shoulder all goes well. All right, mate. Cheers, I appreciate it. Thanks, Ollie. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. Network.